Hi, and welcome to Habits for Humans, the podcast that explores what makes people tick and how to program this brain of ours to do what we want it to do. I'm your host, Kim Flynn, and today we're going to talk to Kate Stillman, and we're going to talk about a very spicy topic, uh, and it actually might taste spicy. I don't know either, <laughs> but we're going to talk about urine therapy. Yes, you heard me correctly, urine therapy. Uh, and when I talked to Kate about this a couple of weeks ago, and this was the topic, it, it was so intriguing to me. And I thought, but is this real? Like, are people really doing this? Uh, and jumped on Google and read a bunch of stuff. And it's actually legit, y'all. Urine therapy is actually a thing. Who knew? And so we're going to dive into the ins and outs of urine therapy with Kate in just a little bit. So we have a giveaway for our listeners at the end. If you like free stuff, uh, stay tuned all the way to the end. We have two free giveaways, one from our sponsor, Card Salad, and one from Kate's uh, business as well. So we'll talk about that at the end. So first, a word from our sponsor, Habits for Humans, is brought to you by Card Salad. It's a well health and wellness company that teaches you how, how to program your brain using systems and habits. Their flagship program is Eat Well. Let me show that to you right here. It is a meal planning and organizational system you hang the uh, uh, board on your refrigerator and you have recipes and then every day you have a habit card leading you through implementing habits so that you will never diet again and you will teach and train your body slowly through habits how to actually crave good food for you. It's called Eat Well, and we're going to share with you at the end of our uh, program today a free week of meal planning delivered to your inbox. So welcome, Kate Stillman. I'm so excited to have her on today. Kate founded Yoga Healer in 2001 as an avant-garde dialogue in ancient wisdom for modern humans. The Yoga Healer community has depth, uh, span and breadth. And over 20 years, Kate Stillman has corralled the conversation towards relevance, resilience, rewilding, rewiring, and results for modern humans to thrive in their bodies and achieve their life goals. Kate is an evolutionary thought leader, global tribe builder, and author in the field of rewilding humans. I love that phrase, rewilding humans, orienting towards meaning and purpose and getting deeply invested in life. Kate developed the course curriculums and mentoring community for Body Thrive, Mass of you living Ayurveda, uh, and I hope I'm saying that right, Ayurveda course and yoga health coaching. Kate splits her time between the mountains and Teton Valley, Wyoming, and Punta Mita, Mexico. She is an avid mountain biker, skier, and surfer, and mother of one. And uh, even today, she was like, oh, there's powder. I want to go skiing today. <laughs> so <laughs> we're so excited to welcome Kate. And Kate, we always start with your number one habit, to manage your own mental wellness? What is a practice that you do to manage the stress of daily life? Mm. I mean, that's gonna, it's gonna be a toss up between intermittent fasting and urine therapy. And we're gonna get deep into urine therapy. And I imagine many of your listeners already know that intermittent fasting is, is where you allow your digestion to rest, uh, you know, usually at least 16 hours uh, per 24 hour cycle. I love it. Um, we'll take it away. Let's let's launch into that could be a completely different podcast, intermittent fasting, which is also a great topic. But let's talk about urine therapy. Uh, just give us the spiel. What it what is it, and uh, how do you overcome the initial maybe revulsion a little bit that we feel when we think about yeah. using our pee? Yeah. So uh, urine therapy is something that in the research that I've done uh, is found in most. It's found in most ancient cultures and most indigenous 
uh, you know, basically most indigenous people's tradition. So it's, it's something that animals do, it's something that humans used to do, but it was cultured out of us. And uh, one, of, one of the ways that leaders control culture is by defining disgust. So anyone who's ever studied authoritarianism or totalitarianism uh, is, is really familiar with this. Like new leader comes into power and says, these people are disgusting or this is disgusting, or this kind of food is disgusting. Uh, and there were reasons over time that that needed to happen, that disgust was used as an emotion to control populations. Um, and some of them were actually really good reasons, like sanitation uh, was helpful. It was helpful to help, you know, certain, like for instance, in India, um, they ate cooked food. Uh, basically to kill bacteria, and they didn't eat meat, basically, for the same reasons that bacteria is, you know, more in meat and the violence part of it. Uh, but there's, you know, basically you control people with what they believe about food, what they believe about their body, and what they believe about their environment, and those are like the three main triggers of disgust. So somewhere along the line, like if you, if you, if you have a baby, anyone who's raised a baby, babies are not um, naturally disgusted by urine. This uh, is true. They're not disgusted by anything and they'll play with anything. Yes. Yeah. Right. And so, and most of them are curious about it. Most cult, most people even listening right now, you can think of something you've heard to use urine on, whether it's like a stingray bite or a really bad burn. Uh, I mean, it depends how, it depends how much you know about this stuff, but uh, I mean, Native Americans have used it in their hair to prevent their hair from going gray. Uh, people have used it in their eyes to prevent cataracts or even to uh, start to break down cataracts that have already started to build. So for me, in my, in my journey in yoga and Ayurveda, uh, I came across urine therapy over 20 years ago, but I didn't find a, a user community until about a year ago. So even for me, it's, it's fairly new as a personal practice. I started about a year ago, and because of the depth of wisdom that I already had, uh, and my propensity to, to do, you know, a lot of reading and scientific literature. I've, I've learned a lot in the past year and I've interviewed a lot of people on it. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, what is your, your routine? You wake up in the morning, give us your routine. What do you do if you don't mind? Yeah, no, I don't mind at all. Uh, so I, I'm a heavy user. So I just want to say there's a huge range in there. So my routine is I'll, I'll wake up, um, I'll pee in a glass jar. It's one of the first things I do is pee in a glass jar. I'll do an aged pee enema. So pee ferments into a living liquid that is probiotic and pro-electrolyte and has tons of hormones and even has growth hormones. So I inject a pee enema, which um, I kind of love. It's like a happy hormone thing. <laughs> uh, and then I'll, I'll rub HP into, into my body. I'll scrape my tongue. I'll swish with fresh urine. I'll drink fresh urine. I'll put it in my eyes. I'll snort a little bit up my nose of aged. I use aged in my eyes and in, in my nostrils. Aged is much, much stronger. Uh, and yeah, I rub it all over my skin. <laughs> Wowza, you are not kidding, you're a heavy user. Okay, so if that is yeah. the extreme end of the spectrum and people listening like me are kind of like, oh, I don't know if I'm ready for a pee uh, enema every morning. What yeah. is like the introductory use? Yeah, you know, and it depends on the person, right? So some people are really, like, like really into skin, right? So say you've had a skin problem for a long time or wait, maybe you want to prevent wrinkles or maybe you have eczema or a rash or maybe you have athlete's foot. Like putting 
you know, starting to age it is, to me, is like, you know, it's like basically you pee in a jar and you let it sit for four days, so the ammonia off-gasses, then it's way more potent. Like the alkalinity goes way up. So anyone here who knows that they have inflammation or oxidative stress, uh, you, you probably know you want your diet to be more alkaline than acidic. You probably know you already have a certain level of acidity. So just getting that like, wow, in just a few days, it changes significantly. Now it's more potent as a medicine for whatever you would want to use it on. Say you have issues with um, your teeth and your gums, and maybe you have receding gums, like just swishing, you'll start to notice a difference in your mouth really within a few days. So it all depends. A lot of people start homeopathic where you just dilute your pee and um, you even you just, just pee in a, and put it in a little one ounce eyedropper bottle and put a few drops under your tongue and just start to notice like what happens. And it, it's depending on your level of how basically subservient you've been to cultural norms usually determines the level of disgust. Hmm. So like the the more kind of the more of a rebel you are, the more you're gonna like just take right to it. <laughs> the more of like a good girl or a good boy you are, probably the more you're gonna have to overcome. Um, so start with something that you want to change. Okay, awesome. So I definitely would be a good girl in, in that category because the thought was like, oh, that's a little intense for me. But I was reading last night and I was reading about the urea. Is that, is that how you say it? Urea or urea? Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's urea. Cool that actually is a, a common ingredient in, in skin, uh, like skincare treatments. Um, can you talk about like the science behind uh, how it works and what it does on your skin? Yeah, so let's just go into, before we go into urea, let's just go into urine hmm. in general, right? So urine is ultra plasma filtrate, meaning it's been the plasma of your blood, right? So it's, in, it's your blood that's being filtered through your kidneys. And that's really different than your poop. A lot of people are confused about, you know, like poop has not been circulating in your blood, right? You eat, it goes into your stomach, it goes through your small intestine, it goes through your colon and you poop it out. Pee does not work that way. So pee has been, it's, our, it's like cycling through your liver, it's cycling through, you know, your bloodstream for, you know, and your, and your kidneys are pulling stuff out. So your pee is a blueprint of everything that's been in your blood lately. And so urea is a, if we look at then 100% of urine, 95% is water, you've got a little more than, you've got like 1% to 2% urea, you've got about close to 1% uric acid, and then you have everything else that's in your blood, all the hormones, all the neurotransmitters, growth hormones, stem cells, like all the stuff that's in your blood is in your pee. So urea, when you look at the skin care studies on urea, and there's an excellent one in 2021 out of Barcelona, uh, it, what's cool is like urea is the softening agent, it's the demulsin, and it's the hydrant. So it, hi it hydrates the skin, it's able to move through the seven layer layers of dermis. So when you just look at actually urea, itself, it breaks down into a lot of different things. There's a lot of things just in urea itself, right? Um, that are doing a lot of different actions. So say you have acne, say someone listening has a teenager with really bad acne. Um, part of what the urea is gonna do is it's actually gonna break down pathogens in the skin, but it's also gonna hydrate to different levels of depth of the skin. So say someone has like a mixed skin type where it's like dry and oily and they get these really angry 
red zits. Like there's issues with hydration, there's issues with toxins, there's issues with oil breakdown. And what the urea is gonna do is it's gonna be a digestive function, but also um, a communication function for what's happening in the blood through what's happening on the surface. So the urea on your skin, so you put it on your skin and it's going to moisturize, which is so crazy because you always think of like pee as being drying, but it, it, it's a moisturizer and it also um, takes off the, the top layer of your skin. What's that called? I wrote on a note here, a keratolic, a keratolytic, keratol I don't know. Anyway, it, it peels off your skin, the top layer, but also moisturize at the same time. So you can see why it would be so great for your skin. Would you, do you put it on and just leave it? Do you wash it off? Yeah. What, what would you recommend? Yeah. I mean, it, you know, again, like, so urine is an intuitive medicine. Hmm. So it'll teach you how your urine is your own perfect medicine and it will teach you how to use it. So you don't need to know anything and you don't really need to ask any questions, uh, which is so foreign. Like we're so used to being told like, ask for, you know, ask your doctor, you know, for advice on blah, blah, blah. So urine is the opposite. It is the absolutely the number one rewilding habit, uh, which is why it caused me to write the book Wild Habits. It's like once you kind of get it's what's what's going on in your physiology, you can design for what you want. OK, so I think that's the most powerful statement I've heard from you so far. Um, it will urine will, but maybe everything maybe this applies to everything in our life if we're just intuitive about it it will teach you how to use it if you're deeply intuitive about what you're eating and what you're putting into your body what you're putting onto your body and just listen to yourself will you talk talk to us more about that and and what do you mean by rewilding yeah so conventional habits to me are the habits of chronic inflammation the habits of chronic inflammation parallel the rise of increased sugar consumption, increased vegetable oil consumption, increase in glycosphates or glycosphates. So what we see is that, you know, we basically have created toxic habits uh, and toxic food. The habits that are most toxic right now to humans are eating too frequently. Hmm, interesting. That I would say it's like, it's the easiest thing you can do in it. And this is through pregnant, I mean, the research shows it's pregnant women, it's children, it's everyone. Everyone's just eating too frequently. So humans 10,000 years ago had brains that were 10% larger. That's the work of Mark Matson with the NIH on intermittent fasting. So we are, we're eating too much and it's making us fat and dumb. <laughs> we're dying of the diseases of chronic inflammation, right? The diseases wow. of chronic inflammation are cancer, our lung disease, our heart disease, our autoimmune and immune diseases. Um, so any of like these organ failures, it's due to chronic inflammation. Okay, so we have to go here. Uh, the podcast is supposed to be on uh, urine therapy, but now I'm fascinated about intermittent fasting. When I think about our ancestors and how we evolved, yes, we would not be eating every three hours, but not by a long shot, right? We would be eating when we killed something or when we found something to pick and eat. Will you talk to us about, uh, about that, intermittent fasting? Yeah. I mean, the other thing is that we were eating on the move. So we were, mm -hmm. we weren't sitting on our asses all day and then going to sleep at night and wondering why we don't sleep well, mm -hmm. right? We were moving to find food. So just if we look at our physiology is designed to burn fat for fuel and it can't unless you fasted for at least 13 hours and then it kicks in to burning fat for fuel. So right at that hour 13 is when you start to experience autophagy 
in apoptosis, meaning your cells are able to digest what's within them and around them, including excess calories or food particles, including pathogens or viruses or bacteria or dysbiotic bacteria the body doesn't want, uh, that that digestion doesn't even start until you haven't eaten for 13 hours or had any calories. How does this fit in with the, the popular intermittent, or not intermittent fasting, but how does this fit in with the popular um, intuitive eating, like really listening to your body? Because it feels like we're saying two different things. Really listen to your body, and if you're hungry, then you eat it then you eat something or go by the clock and say, oh, it's not 13 hours yet, I should not eat. So talk to us about the balance between those two. Yeah, so if if anyone's having cravings for food that you just know, like you know it's not doing you any favors, that means that you've lost a lot of body intelligence there. So you can't trust your your intuition because the, you know, basically have been modeled by factory food to some degree and by modern habits of eating too frequently. So your hormones are messed up. So your cravings are messed up. And the hormones are leptin and ghrelin. It's like the I'm full, I'm hungry hormones are, are all out of whack. So you have to start to fast in order for those hormones to come back into balance. For those um, who follow Dave Asprey and, uh, and Bulletproof Coffee and all that, basically what they found is in his, in his research with the Tibetan monks, uh, they were putting yak butter into tea and extending their fast that way. So, yeah, I mean, basically fat is about a 50 to 100 calories per tablespoon, uh, but it actually can keep your body in ketosis or can keep your body burning fat for longer without those cravings. Interesting. Um, I think that's really profound. Uh, yes, you want to be able to get to a place where you truly can trust your body, but you can't trust your body if it's been programmed to to just be wonky, to not be uh, uh, healthy with hormones uh, or just habits. That makes sense to me. That makes sense to me. What else do you have for us, Kate? Well, I mean, yeah. So the where urine therapy intersects with intermittent fasting, and again, what I have found in researching or in talking to researchers on intermittent fasting is they don't know this. Uh, is that urine urine therapy? So for those who drink their urine, they can fast longer with no cravings. So the body produces about 100 calories of urine a day. So urine is not zero calories, but they're very valuable calories. They're full of amino acids. So your body builds protein out of amino acids. You build muscle tissue out of amino acids. So simply like what, what my community has noticed, and again, like I lead a community at Yoga Healer, this spread through my, I have a very advanced yoga community, and we have beginners coming in all the time. But the advanced people picked it up really fast and they started reporting like oh my gosh i can sleep through the night well yeah because melatonin and serotonin you're upcycling or oh my gosh i can fast way longer so the weight's just falling off and i have no cravings and it's like yeah because now leptin and ghrelin are coming into balance so what the urine therapy does is it naturally extends fasting time and you start to experience what the yogis call svadhyaya which means self-study and it leads to the number one measure of health in Ayurvedic medicine, which is the medicine of yogis called svasta, where you're seated in the self. So you're upcycling your own essence, your body's getting hydration, it's getting food through the amino acids, and it's getting medicine to you know, basically correct in the endocrine system. So you actually bolster your ability to be intuitive. I love this. I, I love the whole principle of being intuitive and self-study. I love all of that. 
talk to me about what the critics uh, would say, which is there isn't much research that shows that drink, drinking urine specifically will, will help you. Talk to me about that. Yeah, it's like, well, why isn't there more research? So, I mean, anyone who's a thinking person knows the answer to that because uh, they understand how the global economy works. Urine is the most studied, uh, what is it? It's the most studied uh, component of the human body. So every doctor's looking at urine samples. Why are there no studies on aged urine? Everyone pees about 10 times a day. Why are there none? There's zero. Why has the NIH never funded a study on urine therapy? Why do we have no control groups? Why do we have no double-blind studies? Why do we have no studies on intermittent fasting and urine therapy? Why do we have no studies on any of the things that, I mean, we have, to me, it's like we have user data and we have ancient wisdom. Urine therapy is showing up both in modern user data where we have user groups, right? Tons of user groups around the world, user groups in China, user groups in Germany, user groups in international community, user groups in the United States. So we have empirical data. We have ancient wisdom, right? Native Americans were using it. The Greeks were using it. The Chinese, ancient Chinese were using it. The ancient Tibetans were using it. The ancient you know, Indians were using it. The ancient um, South Americans were using it. So we know we have historical data. Why don't we, yeah, so why, why aren't we studying? What we do have is a lot of pharmaceutical companies studying components of urine. They create a synthetic uh, component and then they study that. Uh, but anyone who knows synthetic from the real thing, there ain't nothing like the real thing, baby. Um, I, I'm sure you're familiar with Primarin that's made from horse urine uh, that supplements uh, hormones. And I, I'm on, I've been on for years just natural hormone therapy, and uh, I had a doctor switch me back to the synthetic. And I would strongly agree, there's, there's nothing like the real thing, and you can feel a difference. And I love your your phrase of self-study, study yourself and be an expert uh, for yourself in does it work or does it not for you. So I love that. As we wrap things up, reminded that the goal of this podcast is to program your brain to start instilling systems and habits into your daily life. I don't know about you guys, but I'm actually going to try it. I am going to try <laughs> a little uh, a little pee on my on my face in the mornings uh, and and see what it feels like. If it feels better than than retinol, that if it if it actually uh, uh, produces the results that science says that it does, uh, and overcome that that gross factor, so I can not be controlled and be less of a good girl. Yay! Yay! <laughs> so we have two giveaways. Uh, Kate, will you talk about uh, your yogi? detox? Yeah. So like we were talking about before, when we want to live intuitively and stop asking other people for advice, but look within for wisdom, uh, our three-week reset that bolsters your intuition and, and control over your body and your health and your direction in life is the Yogi Detox. We run it every April and every October. It is tremendous. It's powerful. You're in community. Even from the moment people sign up, they start to feel that momentum. I love it. So go to yogidetox.com. Uh, we're going to have a bunch of links uh, for Kate where you can find her. She's got a, a, a substantial uh, YouTube program or YouTube videos, all kinds of stuff uh, on her social media. So follow those links. Find those in the show notes wherever you're finding us. 
uh, and, and, and watch for that. Uh, giveaway from our sponsor, Card Salad. Go to habitsforhumans.com and sign up for a free seven-day Eat Real Foods challenge. It's seven days of recipes, a done-for-you shopping list, and meal planning is completely done for you so you don't reach for the dino nuggets in the freezer. You eat real food, which is the goal here. Thank you, Kate, so, so much for joining us. That was fascinating. And thanks to our listeners. This is Habits for Humans. And uh, thank you in advance for giving us a positive review. Thanks so much, everyone. Thank you.